Hi, everybody. This is Chuck Sipe, Assistant Superintendent for Roxbury Schools, here with some friends from Nixon School and Franklin School to talk about LMD. So before I ask our guests to introduce themselves today, first, we're going to tell you what LMD is. LMD is a very exciting program we have running at all four of our K-4 elementary schools, and it stands for Library Media Design. It's a pretty unique program, so my hope is uh, in this episode of our podcast, you get to learn about the program, where it came from, and what we hope to achieve through this learning experience that are offered to students K-4, to as well as how I hope um, we are meeting future thinking curricular goals and taking our kids way ahead of the curve in terms of the opportunities they're provided. So let's start by introducing ourselves. So let's go around the table. Tell us who you are and what you do here in our school district. I'm Sarah DeLorenzo. I'm the library media design teacher at Franklin Elementary School. I'm Willie, and I go to Nixon Elementary School. I'm Natalie, and I go to Nixon Elementary School. My name is David Siegel, and I am the LMD teacher at Nixon Elementary School. All right. So thank you so much for joining us today to talk about LMD, which is how we'll refer to it, because that's what we're used to calling it. So before we go too far, a little bit of background here. Uh, LMD is our version, a modern version, forward-thinking version, driven by the design thinking protocols and processes that has replaced the very typical elementary specials of library and technology. And so we're going to talk a little bit about what that course looks like, how it was designed by our teachers, and what we've learned over the last couple of years by implementing LMD. But um, primarily, our main goal in this transition was to afford students a more consistent uh, opportunity to be exposed to and learn the principles of design thinking, as well as problem solving, collaborative um, supporting, collaborative support of one another, as well as how to take literature and connect it to problems. That's a big piece of what we're doing here in our class in order to stick with the spirit of uh, library and technology. So um, what I want to ask is first directed towards our teachers, which is tell me a little bit about how your experience professionally has changed as you've moved from your respective roles. Ms. DiLorenzo, formerly media specialist, taught library, both at Nixon and Franklin, and Mr. Siegel, former tech teacher who taught technology at Franklin and Nixon. Tell us a little bit about you, how your experiences have changed and what you noticed to be the biggest differences between our, our old program of specials and what we're doing now. Um, as far as library, um, you know, the traditional library classes changed over the years from like being this quiet space where nobody talked and, you know, you were just doing research or reading. Um, it's just evolved over the years as the way we access information has changed. So really that's kind of how I look at it is um, technology is a big part of our students' lives these days. They're, they're, they were born with it already in place. So you know, the library has changed in um, how we access information. So not only through physical books, but now we have eBooks, we have um, audio books, there are databases, websites, and it's all about getting um, students to access information and how to use that information, how to comprehend it, what we're going to do with it, how can we use it in like life skills as far as, um, you know, our, like our design thinking um, class, um, taking that information and putting it into problem solving um, areas and that. So um, I just kind of see that we've, the library class has just evolved to kind of engulf the technology more. 
Yeah, and for me, you know, we we started the technology program with every de- every kid at a desktop, and and the room just used to be just a whole, you know, twenty five desktops. It would be very crowded, and there wouldn't be much space to kind of do anything. You know, now we have uh, we we knock down the wall from the tech room to the media center. We have all this big open space. Kids have one to one Chromebooks now, so we're looking at um, really changing the way we see technology. We're more in uh, supportive role because you know the students they're using technology every single day in the classroom, and we're there just to kind of supplement, to kind of show them a couple of you know programs and ways to kind of enhance their learning. Uh, but like Mr. D. Lorenzo said at the same time we're also um, engaging them in these in these exciting stories and we're in incorporating that in some kind of hands-on design so it, it's been a blast I uh, really enjoy the the, the change and the, my favorite part especially and, and Dr. Sipe's going to get into that uh, we see these kids twice a week now so we see them double the amount of time that we ever would have saw them and it just you know really fosters a, a better relationship with our students so I think you guys bring up some really great points I just want to go back to the part about tech being such an everyday part of our kids lives so our district, I think, was really well prepared when we um, went into virtual learning during the pandemic. We already had one-to-one devices for our students, and we were already exposing them to the Google Classroom format in our classes on a regular basis. So I think that transition was as, as positive as it possibly could have been, given the circumstances. And I think that helped drive this change a little bit because... Once upon a time, technology class was like Mavis Beacon typing, right? And how to save a document and things like that. And it's funny because even as I'm saying that, the kids are looking at me like, I don't know what you're talking about. And that actually makes me feel good about our decision a little bit more because that's just not the reality of how technology is a part of children's lives anymore. It is something that is always there. It is ubiquitous. Everywhere they turn, there's technology, whether it's a cell phone, whether it's a Chromebook, right? The TV, the TV doesn't just turn on and show you TV anymore. The TV is fully integrated into your home's wireless system. It's connected to your, your cell phone, your storage. So, um, so I think that we needed to capitalize on that opportunity, which I really do love. And Mr. Siegel mentions twice a week is a huge shift in instruction. Elementary specials are typically once a week. And there are these moments in time where we expose kids to different learning experiences, typically art, music, library, and technology. Um, but what we want to do is connect those learning experiences uh, sequentially from kindergarten all the way up through 12th grade. So students are really prepared to make decisions about their lives. And I think that that starts here at the elementary level. So We've done a lot of talking about an introduction to the program. Girls, it's your turn. So tell us a little bit about your experience. Once upon a time, it was library and technology when you were probably kindergartners and first graders. Then we had the pandemic. And then as third and fourth graders, you are familiar with LMD. Tell us a little bit about your memories of how it's changed, maybe what your favorite things in LMD to do are. We have a variety of learning tools we haven't talked about yet, so you can maybe uh, introduce some of those to our audience. The mic is yours. Adding to what Mr. Siegel said, I feel like when you knocked off the walls, got more space, we had like a lot of room and we got to do more stuff. Can you tell us what one of those things are that you get to do now that you're really excited about? I really like indie cars because you could um, tell the robot where to go. And there, you could do a lot of cool motions with the car. Like you could make it spin and go different directions. Well, how, do, how does the car know how to do that? How do you tell it? Well, there's, the, there's like a pad and it's color coded. So um, you will have to try to like remember the color coded to make the moves. 
Yeah, there's this special light sensor on the bottom of the cars that is always looking for a particular shade of a color. And if the car goes on green, for example, what happens, Lily? What happens when you put your car on green? You start going. You start going. So just like uh, what you see when you're driving with mom or dad, green is go, yellow is slow, red is stop. And and like Lily and Natalie are getting at it, it's, it's just this fun, engaging way to kind of um, visualize something. So, for example, we might take a story that we read in class and then like, okay, like, you know, three little pigs. Everybody knows the story. Well, let's design a course that kind of shows, you know, the wolf going through the houses, but you're making it in physical space. That's one of the things I mentioned earlier that I really like. We tried to stick with the spirit of the traditional library experience and combine it with technology by using what Mr. Siegel just referred to throughout the course sequence where children are still getting exposure to literature in read aloud opportunities, in dialogue as a small class, but then they're solving a problem related to that. And I've seen that a variety of different ways in the classrooms. Um, Lily, do you have a, a favorite tool or learning experience, something that you participated in in LMD that you really, um, you really enjoyed? I really liked using the brick queue. Um, set. Can you tell us about that? What is Brick Q? It's like Legos, and today we were making like a launcher for a car. Yeah, we're still in day one. I think Lily's talking about a lesson that we just started doing today where uh, students were given uh, a little intro video. So we always start with some kind of like applicable thing. So for instance, like racing cars, you know, like how does that how does that look like? How, how do cars go from zero to 60? And, and one of the lessons that we're just getting into is designing a car and then changing a couple of variables. So we'll be using some of the language that goes along with it. You know, what happens if you add more weight to the back? What happens if you use smaller tires, bigger tires? All of these things are going to be available to the students. And I, as the teacher, we don't really give them a direction on how to proceed. Rather, we just kind of give them the tools and have them experiment, make mistakes, and learn from them. All right. So one of the things that um, we started to reference is girls told us a little bit about some of their favorite things. So I'm going to invite the teachers to talk about some of the other tools because one of the things that uh, we encountered, I guess, three years ago when we embarked on the design and creation of LMD was we didn't have any role models. We didn't have any other examples at other schools of anywhere else that was doing something like this and really focusing on opportunities to afford uh, elementary students exposure to the design thinking process uh, or anything where m library and technology were integrated. And so in that process, you guys have been kind of in this consistent uh, curriculum development redesign cycle, seeming it seems endless at this point, but I feel like we're, we're pretty close now. Um, and we've also been evaluating a variety of learning tools that you can use to supplement the class. So we've talked a little bit about the Indy cars, mentioned BrickQ, um, I want, I'd love for you guys to talk a little bit about your experience designing the class because one of the exciting slash scary things of doing something new, of innovating, is it's exciting because you get to do something creative and make it your own, but it's kind of scary because there's nowhere to turn, there's nowhere to look, there's no no thing to, to learn from. You're just kind of embarking on your own journey. So tell us a little bit about what that's been like. Um. I guess like from our approach, we were working off three different standards that were, they're separate. They're the library standards, design thinking, and then computer science. Um, but as we delved into those a little bit deeper, we started realizing, you know, we're already kind of doing some of this stuff. So how can we make it more cohesive? Um, and so I think that's been what we've been doing the last couple of years is, you know, trying new things, seeing, you know, which area it fits into and how we can cross connect them. So I feel like at this point, I'm never doing just one lesson. I'm not just doing a library lesson. I'm not just doing a tech lesson. I'm not just doing a computer science. It's, it's many things that could go under each label. And I think that's been helpful um, in designing my lessons, 
because I've got like that cohesion. I'm like, oh, I'm hitting this and this and this. And the kids don't necessarily notice that like we're, you know, hitting all these standards. They're just having fun. And it's a lot of it is experiment, trial and error. So they're discovering things on their own. You know, I'm over there with my checklist like, aha, aha. Um, but that's been the neatest thing for me to see that we can we can make this cohesive. It doesn't need to each piece stand alone. For me, I was very excited uh, to to start a program from the ground up. You know, we really had nothing to base it off, like Dr. Sipe said. So uh, over the past three years, we've been really kind of changing um, the way we approach the class each year um, because we've never seen uh, a kids for, for two sessions e- each week. So just coming up with the logistics on how we're going to make that work what was our biggest first hurdle. And we're, and we're getting really good at kind of figuring out the pacing. Um, we, we have so much... Uh, opportunity. So, so many things that this class can only do because of the, the, the time frame that we have in the open space that we're given, um, that it does allow for us to do these big encompassing projects, these kind of like, you know, community based projects where we're, we're trying to solve problems that are going to be really applicable uh, in our community. And it's just been a, a constant kind of evaluation each year. You know, how, how do we do? Uh, how do we do it better next year? How do we revamp? Um, every year, we're always meeting with different companies, and they're trying to you know push their products on us. And we have a we have the opportunity to really like look at each one. It's like wow, we have the we have the avail- availability to to really do these programs to their full extent. Which ones do we want? Which is going to be the biggest impact? Um, so some of the the programs that the girls were just mentioning, they like the indie cars. Um, we, we just saw that at, at a convention one year, and they were just you know sitting there showing off what they were doing, and we were looking at that time for a K-1 program that was a robotic uh, curriculum but was for non-readers because, you know, you're not able to read the instructions at that age. So we just happened to find out the perfect setup where these cars, you had nothing to read, just kind of put them on the tiles and have them go. So I'm, I'm kind of jotting down as, as you guys are talking and my experience with the class as well as listening to you speak about it. And it is exciting that we have the opportunity to bring in so many different resources. And what I like the best is that you all, with your two colleagues um, at Jefferson and Kennedy, have really worked to identify age-appropriate resources as well. So when I say we have kids in all levels coding, they're doing block coding, we have appropriate uh, tools for kindergartners to learn that skill, uh, to expose them to the idea of logic models. And while that may sound foreign because, the you know, as adults, we never had anything even close to that as um, as kids, but that's the world our kids are growing up in. And quite frankly, that's the present. That's not even the future. And so being able to engage students in those opportunities to collaborate and problem solve, really demonstrate those life skills. I've seen plenty of classes of yours where they are required to present their findings. They, they're developing prototypes. They're trying to solve a problem. They're getting feedback from their classmates. They're giving feedback to their classmates. Uh, they have to evaluate their own work and improve upon it. Like These are skills that are really critical that probably wouldn't have fit into a more traditional library or technology class that was a little bit, um, little bit more structured in terms of the design of the curriculum. I think one of the nice parts of what we've done here is you all have really explored the freedom of your class to design something that's fun and exciting for the kids. And I know I kind of laugh whenever I say that because it sounds like such common sense, but I feel like too frequently we're so driven by initiatives and mandates that we forget that fun is important. The fun stuff is what keeps the kids coming back. It keeps them excited to learn, and it makes them say, I don't want to leave, right? When it's time to leave your class, I was just in Mr. Siegel's class the other day, and when the it was one time was up and the teacher came to pick them up, like the kids were verbally disappointed to leave. It's not that they didn't want to go back to their class. They just didn't want to leave the experience they were having with you when the Star Wars lesson. So I just want to, I, I know you guys want to talk a little bit about that too. 
Uh, Mr. Siegel and Ms. DiLorenzo worked really hard. So, kids, I want to invite you first. Tell us about the Star Wars lesson you just went through um, with Mr. Siegel. It gave us the freedom to do, like, anything we wanted. We can choose, like, anything. Well, you didn't have to do a Star Wars theme. You could do any animation. And there was actually cool animations that you could do. You could spin the um, your characters. You could make some move back and forth. It was really fun. And we got to do different stuff. So when we we had uh, two Jedi, so me, me, me and Mrs. DiLorenzo, where uh, we had our avatars kind of in the game. And then, uh, you know, after our little mini lessons on how we can manipulate these characters and make them move, I let them kind of create a movie with some kind of story beat, right? I mean, you have a couple of background choices, right? You can have them start in, like, the lava and make them go on the moon. And, and if, you, if you had the characters uh, say what's in your head by making them move, that, that's the magic right there. That's how animation's made, you know? If you want your two characters to kind of fight at each other, how do you make them fight? Like, how does fighting look like when these images are static and that's when, when Natalie and Lily when you see like, the drop down list of all your choices you can have them fly to the left to the right you are problem solving and making the the characters kind of talk through motion and I love how we've taken like an older tech lesson where it's like you know here's a slide insert an image change the size you know it's just step by step but now instead we've incorporated the story and these characters and then the students, you know, they know about the characters, they know the story, and then they start to do all of the bullet points, which we would have been, you know, isolated maybe in a prior lesson. So they are learning those skills, but having that story element with it kind of goes with that design thinking where that first step is building empathy. I mean, what better way to build that than through story and characters? Um so I really like that aspect of the lesson a lot. So I've been in all four of the LMD classrooms, and I've seen uh, Karen Kovarik and Katie McAuliffe, who are your two colleagues across town, deliver very similar lessons. And the thing I like the best, and I think, girls, you kind of alluded to this um, before, is there isn't this fear that my grade is going to be impacted if I don't do it right. Like, there's no right way to do it, right? Even with this um, Star Wars lesson, you kind of said you could do it however you wanted to. And so I, I really enjoy hearing that there's this freedom in learning. Students are given the latitude to really explore uh, the technology we want them to experience in a way that is safe and um, not something that is threatening in terms of, well, if I don't do this right, my grade is going to be impacted, right? Because part of the way we want students to learn is by experiencing and having that excitement that comes with um, with failure, quite honestly. like That's not something we often think about, but how do we get better? We get better by experiencing failure, reflecting on it, and improving because of it. You know, one of the things that is interesting that uh, I always think about, I heard this quote, so I don't, um, it's not mine, I'm borrowing it, um, but it was, it was a word of caution not to celebrate successes, but rather to celebrate all of the failures and growth that led to the success. And when I heard that quote, I really did think about this class, and maybe I was thinking about it because we were going to record this, but I really thought it was relevant. You know, there are so many opportunities in this class that students have to to fail, to, to mess it up, to fix it, to get it better, and constantly be in that cycle of improvement. And for me, that is the most important part of what you guys are doing, is you're giving kids those opportunities to improve on their work and continue to get better, to explore without the fear of getting it wrong. And those are skills that I think will really serve them well as they move up through our schools and up into young adulthood. 
So one of the coolest things I've, I've noticed throughout the years of teaching LMD is that we're just very loud. We're loud all the time. Kids are engaged. They're active. They're they're but they're focused and and they and they love what they're doing and they never want me to stop. And anytime I try to you know give more pointers, they want me to to quit finish quickly so they can get right to it. So uh, Lily and Natalie, can you kind of talk like as a student from your perspective? Why is that a good thing? Why is it okay that we're kind of loud and noisy? How does that how does a class work in that way? It helps us be creative and. It makes us have fun. Yeah, we don't want to tell you how to do your creative hands-on lesson because then we're kind of forcing this kind of only way to do that. And that's not the idea of design, right? And you um, sometimes you want to be loud because you have to collaborate. Yeah. What's, what's that mean? It, it means like when you work together. So if we were all collaborating, the five of us on a project, would I always get to be right? No, we would make things fair. I certainly appreciate that perspective, and I really like that the collaboration is a huge piece of the class because uh, while you may remember when you become adults some of the individual learning experiences, you're definitely going to remember how to collaborate and how to problem solve and some of those things. You're going to remember that, you know, what Mr. Siegel has integrated into his classroom for you and Mrs. DiLorenzo does in her class at Franklin, which is it's okay to be loud. It's okay to be noisy. It's okay to explore and really be a part of what you're, you know, learning. You, um, sitting there quietly doesn't always drive, you know, you to want to do more, right? Sometimes that that fun and excitement really is something that keeps you wanting more. When we were off um, before we were recording, you mentioned something, uh, Natalie, about not wanting to leave, right? Do you want to talk about that real quickly about Mr. Siegel's class? So today we did Legos, and um, as we talked about it, we were um, building launchers. We um, we were in groups, so we were um, collaborating on who will do who, um, like what part to build. And as we were building, we had to stop, and we were real, we weren't too happy about it because we wanted to keep building and like. Have fun together. And as a teacher, I am fearful to tell these fourth graders to stop because they, they give me dagger eyes. They do not want me to say it's time <laughs> to clean up. So I try to go as quickly as as long as I can go into the class before we, we have to clean up because the next class is like banging on the door trying to get us to uh, to move on. But um, that's that's the way we've been running LMD. And, and it, I kind of judge the success of this class based on student engagement. If the kids are excited and they keep wanting to come back and, and they're using their hands and their brains and they're, and they're collaborating, then they are they are learning. You know, they, they, are, they are definitely getting the objective of LMD, which is, which is trying to figure out the world using whatever is available to you. So the last thing I want to say before we go is I just, I really feel like uh, library media design, thanks to Mr. Siegel, Ms. DiLorenzo, Mrs. Kavarik, and Mrs. McAuliffe, have really worked hard to design a class that is fluid in nature, provides our students with some exposure to some really great, although I don't particularly like this expression, it's relevant, 21st century skills. I mean, we're a quarter of the way through, so eventually we're going to have to come up with something new. So I'm going to say future-oriented learning, right? Because we're preparing our children in all grades to to grow through the learning process and prepare themselves for young adulthood. So those skills of collaboration that you've heard mentioned a couple of times in problem solving and leadership, like those are the skills that are really going to help benefit you. But one of the other things I'm really happy about is the four teachers K-4 to have really worked closely to design a program that now transitions into Lincoln Roosevelt and the Lincoln Roosevelt program has um, connected into the Eisenhower program. And we've really got our K-12 sequence of learning connected very nicely, but it begins here with LMD. Students are, are growing in their comfort with some really complicated learning experiences because they have 
Um, they're growing in their appreciation that everything isn't always correct the first time, and sometimes we need to go back and we need to fix it, and we get to explore and have fun, right? Which I think is important. But I'm seeing that grow here over the last couple of years through LMD in K to four, and I'm really excited for what that will do and what that will mean for our students as these kids grow up through our our twelfth grade. Um, program. So that's very exciting. A special thanks to the four teachers who, although we don't always get to see the work they put in, Mr. Siegel, Ms. DiLorenzo, Mrs. Kavarik, and Mrs. McAuliffe worked really hard to reevaluate and reassess this brand new curriculum. And although when we started a couple of years ago, we didn't have a role model to work off of, uh, we really still don't. <laughs> you guys are still really kind of redesigning and reexamining this thing on a daily basis. Um, based on your units, based on student feedback, so that we can continue to make it as positive as possible. Um, and I appreciate the collaboration you have all demonstrated to design this thing to become what it is, how it's growing. And it would uh, we have to mention the administration too, because if it wasn't for um, them giving us the freedom to kind of design our space the way we wanted to, like we really didn't hear many no's during this process. If, if we wanted to get you know this expensive uh, piece of furniture because we it's going to enhance the learning, as long as we can justify it and we can find it in the budget, I mean we're we're going to acquire that stuff. So um, knowing that we have uh, administrators full backing to design it the way we want to was, was a huge uh, weight lifted off our shoulders, and it made this process and this ongoing process. I mean. We're going to be rewriting curriculum the, the week after school ends uh, after after this third year now. And hof- hopefully, you know, over the next several years, we keep being able to uh, kind of tweak and redesign and add uh, because the sky's really the limit when you when you give kids the freedom to learn and you give them all the tools available. Um, we're very excited to what the future holds for LMD. Yes, agreed. I do have one other thing to say. I would be remiss without acknowledging Dr. Zegar, who really was um, the impetus behind this change. Uh, a couple years ago, he met with four teachers and really helped frame out the direction we were going. So I do, I did, I did not want us to end this podcast without mentioning his influence in designing this program and really getting it off the ground. Because quite frankly, he's the one that really helped get the ball rolling on this program, and now you guys are carrying through with it, which is really awesome. So thank you all. I really appreciate you sharing your thoughts today with us, and I hope everyone's learned a little bit more about LMD. And if you have any questions, if you're another school district out there listening, and you have. Uh, questions about what we're doing. If you're interested in our curriculum, we are happy to share and collaborate um, so that this sort of idea of a learning framework can really grow out of what we've done and what we've experienced to, to for the betterment of all, all students. Thanks a lot.